Welcome to this edition of the Million Dollar Mastermind Podcast. This is where we pick the brains of high achievers from all walks of life and get their hard-earned, real-world insights on winning. I'm your host, Larry Wydell. We're talking with Oren Clopper. Hello, Oren. Hey, Larry. It's uh, exciting to see what you've been able to do with your business, your career, and where are you speaking from today? Uh, New Orleans. New Orleans. Ah. Yes. And yes. It outside, you know, in the suburbs or downtown or where in New Orleans? About a 10-minute drive from the French Quarter. And how did you wind up? How, I'm not aware of New Orleans being a tech center, but maybe I'm just... In, <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> maybe I'm just no. in the dark. No, we have our, our management retreat, which starts, it's our strategic planning offsite. So that starts tomorrow. I came in early uh, with uh, my daughter and uh, some family to kind of make the most of the trip out here. Yeah. Okay, great. And so where is your headquarters for your company? New York. New York. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's dive in. I, you, uh, we have in your bio some interesting uh, lines. You went from being expelled in school to over uh, running an operation with over $40 million in revenue. That's what we have here. I don't know how if that's accurate or not. I find no, that that's accurate. And so you've made your mark as a uh, entrepreneur. And right now you're co-founder of and the CEO of NetSurit. And it's a managed IT company, iCloud security service provider, and uh, since 1995. And you've got right now uh, five office headquarters and like 350 or 300, more than 350 people working with you, if that's correct. So, yes, that's correct, Larry. Sounds like your average day might be fairly busy. So, uh, <laughs> No, it is, but what we have done actually since 2007 is being balanced is a very explicit part of our culture and our leadership. So definitely there are times where I'm, I don't feel balanced and I feel the busyness dominates, but we've been very explicit with our focus of, and this idea that you can both do truly great work and be balanced and a healthy, happy human at the same time. Yeah. And so let's talk about how you, what do you do? You're running a company that's basically the back service, you know, for companies, the, uh, all the data servers and all of that stuff. How did you, how did you get the idea for this? You're, you know, when you yeah, co-founded this back, it was a great idea because you've been doing it ever since. It's just continued. Yes. Right. yes. No, so the, the idea so I was invited by one of my friends in university to come and sell for him. He was selling computers and engineering calculators to engineers and friends and family. And I was quite disillusioned with university because I felt that I felt they'd want to know how I thought and uh, it was going to be a bit more intellectual. But the, my first year university just was like, they just wanted me to regurgitate the, what, I, what was in the textbook. And then in my second year, I took information systems. That was 95. And then this friend of mine invited me to come and, and sell for them. And I loved it. So since 97, that's what I did full time. So we didn't have a clear view of what we were going to do. We just were selling computers, selling technology, 
to actually doctors and so forth to start. And then as we progressed from 97, 98, and then in 99, we saw a couple of things in the market. Number one, small and medium enterprises, entrepreneurial businesses were, were not being serviced in a way that enabled them to succeed. And there were various reasons for that. Number two, it was the lead up to Y2K, which was the year 2000, and they were being exploited. And a lot of the technology, Larry, that had been developed and been taken to market at that time was geared for larger enterprises. So there was this opportunity for this very powerful part of any economy being that entrepreneurial SMB market to be serviced in a professional, predictable, trustworthy, and reliable way. And in essence, we came, we decided on that focus in 1999. And now in 2023, that is exactly what we still do to this day. Obviously, lots has changed, lots evolved. We've had to reinvent ourselves many times. The market is totally different. But our purpose of supporting the dreams of the doers, the core of that is obviously first our people. But the client perspective on that is, to enable our customers to achieve their goals and dreams through the technology and technology services we deliver to them. Okay, so let's get up to the point where, as you were growing up, where you, those kind of things could happen to you. Where did you grow up? In South Africa. Ah, and what's that like? I had a fascinating and amazing uh, childhood. It's a special country, man. There's, uh, it's very rich. It has a lot of challenges, but uh, obviously, you know, where you grow up is uh, there's always this deep emotional connection in your heart. You know, when I I was at school, I matriculated in 1992, so I was very left during school. I would always do speeches on Steve Biko and uh, Martin Luther King, and I just I felt distraught in my soul about apartheid in the history of South Africa. And then in, in 92, when I matriculated, Nelson Mandela was released. 94 was the first democratic election in South Africa. I just kind of lost all of that political fire because I just felt yep. it come right. And I just thought, right. what an amazing. So that just kind of my sort of childhood to my the end of my schooling. And yeah, just I think it has its challenges, Larry, but an amazing country to grow up in. And I feel grateful. And so did you move to uh, the United States, to New York, right off the bat? No. So how that happened was we grew the business in South Africa. We were invited by Microsoft to sit on one of their focus groups. It's called the Partner Advisory Council. That was back in 2004, Larry. And uh, so I kind of went, bought a new outfit, you know, I kind of had my cut. I got on flight yeah. for the first time, flew through New York to Seattle. And, um, you know, so that started my love for the United States. So was doing that two, three times a year, learned a lot, made some great friends. And then in 2015, I managed to convince a friend of mine that we should be their managed services partner, even though we were in South Africa and they were in New York. And quite quickly... We closed that deal at eight rand, which is a slave currency to the dollar, and then it changed to 12 rand to the dollar. So it became what was already a profitable deal, <laughs> very profitable. We took this into our strategic plan and said, what are we going to do with it? We said, let's grow this. So we managed to close a couple of other customers. And then through, I'm a member of Entrepreneurs Organization, NYPO. And through Entrepreneurs Organization, I met with another EO member that was based in, that had a business in New York. And long story short, we ended up buying their business. So I moved to New York only in 2016. 
when we did that. I mean, before we did the acquisition, but that's how our journey in New York started. Well, is there a strong entrepreneurial culture in South Africa? Yes, yes, very, very strong entrepreneurial culture. My dad was an entrepreneur, came out of the photocopier and fax machine industry. And so I watched him build and sell his business multiple times. My mom was a teacher, public school teacher mostly. And uh, yeah, so but there is, there, I think if you're an entrepreneur, there is a world of opportunity in South Africa because you kind of have the dichotomy or the contradiction or paradox of extreme poverty, a fair amount of wealth, first world, third world. So it's just, there's so much opportunity and it's often seen as a gateway to Africa. So I think we enjoyed a lot of entrepreneurial opportunity in South Africa. What were you most interested in growing up in other than your liberal politics and, you know, wanting to get rid of apartheid? What was your driving interest and what were you attracted to? Yeah, that's a great question. Look, I, my childhood had a lot of change. I went to nine schools until I why, was... Why nine schools? You um, thrown out? <laughs> I only got expelled from three, you know, so three oh. out of nine. Oh, that's not six bad. Out of, six out of nine is a pass, you know. But yeah. my mom my mom got uh, remarried twice, and that resulted in us moving around. And uh, financially, I was at a point at a private school, and then we couldn't afford that. And then I went to a public school. And then again, I went to another private school later on, and then uh, we couldn't afford that. And then I went to a public school again. So there were a multitude of reasons. So I feel a lot of my childhood, I was, well, the first thing I realized was that I was leaving the school quite soon after I bought the school uniform. Well, not I, my mom bought the school uniform and it still had some value, you know? So I realized I could sell that school uniform and uh, and make some money. And uh, I wasn't a bad student. I suppose the one thing I realized growing up was that I wasn't really very good at anything. I was good at maths and probably the physics side of science, but I still had to work hard to get the results that I did. But I wasn't a a great sportsman. I was an okay sportsman. And, um, you know, so I kind of was never the most popular kid or the top sportsman or the top academics. I was always kind of, and I was never the the worst either. So, you know, so that's just kind of one thing I think of my childhood and growing up that I realized, what realized kind of in high school is that, if I focus on something and I'm very disciplined and I work really hard that I can achieve a certain level of success. So this has become, I suppose, one of my superpowers. I wasn't really great at anything. So I realized pretty early on, it was a bit of a gift because if I was going to achieve anything, I had to work really hard. For those of you who are sick and tired of fooling around and are dead serious about wanting to move up fast, I've got something especially for you. I've combined the best insights from over 40 years in business and making $70 million in income and compressed them into a free webinar. That's right, it's a free resource. If you want to find out exactly what the concepts are that I use in coaching million dollar earners, register now at widelonwinning.com you'll discover the five-part framework used by so many to reach their financial, personal, and professional goals. 
You can find that link in this episode's show notes. What caused, and by the way, didn't, uh, it, we'll find out how much of us, maybe you're a, a big sports fan. Didn't South Africa just win the rugby? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, rugby. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm a huge rugby fan. Okay, so you're enough of a sportsman to wear. That was a big deal for you, right? <laughs> no, I was crazy about rugby at school. The school that I finished at is called uh, King Edwards. I was at boarding school there. I would get so worked up at the rugby games and scream so loud. I was once banned for three games by the principal of the school at that time because I used to get so, I mean, I used to go, wow. I literally, it was like the most exciting thing in my whole life was to yeah. see that team run on the field and play, you know, so I love rugby and I loved sport at, at the school that I finished at. If you knew about entrepreneurs, you would have, or if someone had spotted that in you, they would have said, you're a natural entrepreneur because entrepreneurs are people who can get super excited about uh, yeah. ideas. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you see people go through life in a kind of a plan, even. It's nice to be even keel, but if you're going to run things, you got to be able to get super excited so you can get other people super excited about it. And I get very excited very easily. <laughs> yeah, so that was uh, kind of an evidence of your entrepreneurial future kind of coming out early. What did you go through that allowed you, if you could even remember, that caused you to realize if I focus in on something, I can get really good results. And to the point that you, it stood out to you and you noticed it, do you remember the experience of the project or? Yes. Yeah. I remember in standard seven, which is the, I was 12 years old. I turned 13 in that year. Well, so that's the second year of high school in South Africa. My art teacher, Mr. Andrews, who's such a legend. I remember, so I didn't take art. You choose subjects after standard right. seven. So you narrow down, but I still was still doing art. And so I went to Mr. Andrews and I, we had to do a project, an art project in that year. And I, I went to him and I told him what I wanted to do. Mr. Andrews said to me, Oren, this is too much. This is not realistic that you, and I just yeah. remember this funny feeling in my gut saying, damn, it feels really good that he said that. Yeah. <laughs> there was something that he, I don't know, it was just like, and then so I put my head down, okay, and it was basically two, it was uh, two African figures, a man and a woman, okay, yeah. like this, the man was taller, and then I took, so I carved that out of wood, and then I took a wooden log, and uh, turn and sort of cut it diagonally like this and swiveled it around so it almost looked like a pipe, like an L. I put a drum on the top here, I put a xylophone here, and I put a guitar on the other end, okay? And then I put that across their heads like this, and then oh. using dowel sticks, I made like a crib around them, and it was the idea of music and unites us. And anyway, and uh, so I got it done and I ended up winning an, a local art competition. Really? And so, that. so it was just, I kind of realized that he thought it was not realistic. And I put my head down and worked unbelievably hard. And not only did I get it, and I'm not actually artistically gifted in any way. Right. That was, I'm telling you now, that was just a function of hard work. <laughs> that was it. And uh, so I felt, and some person bought it, some international person at, at a conference wow. ended up buying it. Yeah. So that was kind of probably the first time. Yeah. That exists somewhere in the world today. I mean, his yeah. 
<laughs> I, I hope so. I yeah. have no idea. <laughs> well, the thing is that that brings up a point that I was talking to my publisher today about possibly doing another book. And I was telling him that one of the things I thought I realized 20 years into business, I've been in the financial service, marketing business and opening offices, training uh, most of my life. And I told him that 20 years in, I look back and I realized all of the, so much of my thinking and concepts and everything came from the formative years from uh, that I spent in design and art and even photography, composition, there's all kind of lessons that are in there that are very useful and transferable to business, but it's never talked about. It's interesting that that was such a key point for you early on. And so as you got out, what got you to the point that you're coming through your higher education and everything where they, your friends or whoever knew you said, I've got to get Oren on my team. And because you said they called and talked to you, right? As a, yes. They yeah. asked, were you yeah. selling? Had you been selling through school and had experience yes. like that? So for my university, I did quite a few things to make money to pay for my studies. I sold seconded shoes. So basically like Nike and Sokoni shoes that are a little defected. So I would go to I would go to buildings, construction sites. I would sell them at the rest. I also worked as a waiter. So I sold shoes. I worked at a flea market selling books and magazines for my brother. That was my brother's business. That was mad because that was Sunday morning. You had to get up at about 4 a.m. because you had to be at the market at 5. So that really, had, in the years where you should be partying harder than ever, my Saturday nights were cut short. And then we also threw open parties. So we would, we would hire out a house and then we would have, have parties there and charge people to come in. No, I mean, we did lots of things. And I think he saw that I could sell. So he invited me to sell uh, yeah. for them. I've always loved sales. Absolutely love sales. Yeah. I think it's really, really enjoyed it. So that's really how I ended up. And you were selling computers, right? Yes. Now, what kind of fundamentals did you pick up that have been useful for you going forward just from that first experience of getting into the uh, computer world and uh, having explained it, you know, you have to be more or less yes. a little bit of an expert. Uh, you're going to sell it because they're going to ask you questions. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. So there were a couple of things that started to become quite clear for me at that time. Number one, there was a fair amount of people felt intimidated by the idea yeah. that they didn't understand computers, but they needed a computer. Right. So I quite early realized that I must really talk in a way that is clear and easy to understand and not pompous and or over the top with technology right. terms and so forth. So that was the one thing I definitely started to realize. And then the second thing was really that a lot of this misunderstanding or insecurity around technology, I needed to be consistent and I needed to be trustworthy and I must do what I say I will do. And, uh, you know, so that sort of seed was planted right in the beginning that if I was going to close a sale, I need to follow up when I said I would. I need to make sure that the price that I've quoted is the correct price. And I don't go back afterwards and say, oh, no, I forgot this and need to add that extra thing. So I think the one was 
to just be aware of the person I was selling to a fair amount of time that had no clue understanding of technology. And then secondly, just to be trustworthy and reliable and predictable, because that's the foundation of which the recurring relationship would be built. Thanks for listening to the Million Dollar Mastermind. If you felt there were any valuable takeaways from this episode, please take a minute and leave us a five-star review. Your feedback is important and really helps us get the word out to a wider audience. Remember, we have a valuable webinar that is absolutely free. Register for it right now at whitealamwinning.com. Thanks for listening.